Hi, welcome to Conversations with Ask the Pool Guy. I'm Sandy Mackey. And I'm the pool guy, Al Curtis. Awesome. We left off last time with our podcast hitting on a very cool concept, which was find your specialty and define your specialty and then market that as the secret to this amazing success. I think that if you follow self-help at all, if you've read any self-help books, which there's an awful lot of business books that are kind of business slash self-help, they all, every one of them, talk about that the basis for success or better business or any of those things is a crystal clear focus on what you want. I, We could list 40 different books that are in the popular self-help popular success, popular part of business books, and they are all kind of saying the same thing, is get focused on the thing that is going to make you money, make you happy, make you feel good, whatever it is. And that sounds like it, to me, it's almost like it's somehow separate. It appears when you read a book that, that yeah, but how do I do that? How do I understand that? I think we could say that we probably felt that way when in the meeting, like we talked about, somebody looked at you and said, well, if you're so good at marketing, why don't you do this for the pool business? And you had to really think about what that would look like because just the thought of marketing the pool business right in that moment didn't make you happy. Mm -hmm. right. But then you eventually thought through it enough that if we just approached this exactly the way that we wanted to with exactly the specialties that we like, then it would work. And that still continues to define itself. It defines itself in the construction side of things and it also develops in the service side mm -hmm. of things as well. Because we do run a service company and we could say yes to everybody who calls for every type of fix it or a situation that they have, but, but we've gotten really good at knowing what our special areas are that we really want to fix. There's, there's this phenomenon that I, I can't quite wrap my head around, and I've tried, and it's, it's relating exactly to this, that we sometimes, or it seems to be, and I know it's my case, in my case, I don't think it has to be, but it certainly has for me is we as humans somehow in human consciousness has to hit sort of a low spot so low that it's like your backs against the wall that now you're going to change and I think that's what happened with me for pools if you remember that whole conversation of the guy saying if you're so good at this social media stuff then why aren't you using it for your business and I remember saying to the guy next to me because I just don't feel like it anymore I just I'm burned out well I had to get burned out enough to be willing to quit to give it away, to say enough is enough. And I think that's kind of what I was trying to do. But I got to that point, and he made that comment, and it, I knew the instant he said it that something was going to happen eventually. I, I, I couldn't have said, oh, now we're going to rebirth the company. But it was a few months later that it finally percolated its way up to, we got to do something. But for me, it was like I was done. I was so low and done. We still had business. Money kept coming in. It was still a profitable thing, enterprise. But I was burned out. I was done. 
and it was almost like a, that human consciousness part of it. You have to hit a hard spot before it can get really good. And I don't think it ever has to go there. But a lot of times, we psych ourselves into thinking it has to be worse before it can get better. And, and we wait for it to get worse before we make a change. Versus right here, it's just not perfect, let's make it perfect. We often let it get worse and then, oh, it feels so bad, then we decide to make it perfect. That's a phenomenon that I can't, completely don't understand, but I, I can witness it in myself. And I, that's what happened, I think, was I got to the point I was done. You and I both know that if, if it came or went, I didn't care. But starting from there kind of alleviates the pressure. Because it was, if we're going to do this because we love it, what would it look like? And that was a, a neat point to start at was, I don't care what happens to it at this point. What if I could just love it? And that just launched us into loving something. I think it, it could easily be done with someone that just wants it to change. Doesn't have to make it be so bad, but just wants it to change to make the decision to just love it. Because either way, the risk is the same. You still have everything to lose when you're here or here. You still have everything to lose. Because what if you're trying it doesn't work? That's always that human part of, of, of me I know, and I know a lot of people. What if it doesn't work for me? What if I fail? There's all that failure mentality that, that we try to fight. And so if you're up here, you seem to think you have more to lose to try to get up here. But when you're here, you're still, you still have everything to lose. Either way, you have everything to lose. One just appears to be more. A lot of times people have to get down here, and I don't think that they have to. I know I kind of did. I didn't have someone helping me maneuver some of this. You keep saying that you just decided to love it. So was it a light switch? What is that? I, it, it wasn't a light switch, but what it, it, there was this realization that if, if in fact, I want to keep going. In the now, pool business. In the pool business. Now, recognize at that time, and, and you, you lived through it with me as well, Again, it's not like the business was horrible, awful, and there was no work, and there was no money. That's not it at all. It was a perfectly viable enterprise as it stood. Certainly could have grown. Certainly could have gotten smaller, but it was there. It was viable. We had a list of customers a mile long. We had all of the things that would be successful enough to go, wow, look, at this is a great company. I wasn't feeling that anymore. I wasn't feeling that that was enough for me. I wasn't feeling like that was that was what I wanted out of my life. I, I just it it hurt to do it because it to me what I found out looking back is it wasn't the right business. It was the pool business, which is the right business for me, but it wasn't as it could be for me. And it was a light switch, but it wasn't. I think it it more was me looking at it, going, do I want to continue to do this? And I'm trying to get away from it because I don't want to keep doing it. But if I'm going to continue doing this, what would it look like? And I remember coming to you and saying, what would it look like if we just took a radical different approach? And, and it's not exactly the approach we have now, but it was a starting point. It was, it was a switch going, what if this could, this could look radically different? What would, what would it look like and could we do it? And I think that started the ball rolling, and I know we started going on, down one path and said, this isn't quite right, and we veered it again, it wasn't quite right. So it's not like, light bulb went on, boom, now here it's perfect. Instead it was, if it could be different, what would it be? And we started at that point, is if it doesn't have to be this way, what could it look like? So what were some of the first things that you remember that we changed? I think some of the 
conversations in the very beginning of what could this look like were saying no to things that didn't make sense. I think very quickly we decided if something doesn't feel right, if it doesn't seem like the right thing, we're not going to take work just to take work. I, I, don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I think what happened was, what if we took all work? What if we, remember we sort of said, what if we just opened it up and we, we tried to figure out how to build a massive client list? And we ran some, we sent some marketing pieces out to pick up some quick work, some quick openings or closings or whatever it was at the time, and it was a deal. But the, the, the difference was... So we decided to say yes to openings and closings, but at that time we weren't saying yes to we, we weren't. crazy renovations. No, no, but when we, when we look at where it started, I think the first model was, what would it look like, number one, if it was a cash business? Remember? What if when we did our service work or we did whatever we got paid for it versus waiting 30 days, waiting forever to try to chase people for money? I think day number one in the new new generation was it's all pay when when the so work is done. So we did we incentivized by we gave them we charged less. I remember we sent out a thing, if you have this postcard, when we do the work and you present the postcard, we'll give you this deal, whatever the deal was. And it was lower than we would have normally gone anyway. But the idea was, what if we could do work and get paid immediately? What would that look like? And that started out, and, and that was good because it was instant cash inflow. That was really nice. But I think what we rapidly realized was, if we dipped too low in the dollar bracket of what we were doing, then we found those people that were always looking for the least price. And as soon as somebody gave a better deal, they were gone. And that was, remember, we were working with dentists in the insights business at the time looking at lifetime value of a customer. That was a really big key piece that shifted where we went. And I don't think we focus on that anymore so much. But what we were doing was we were saying, what's the lifetime value of a service customer? Because really this shift started in, in, in service, in service before construction. Yeah. And the construction was what it was. And if the projects were right, we were taking them. But other than that, we didn't. We weren't really like marketing for anything specific, and, and if it kind of had the flair of what we liked, we did it. But otherwise, we kind of didn't care. But on the service end, it was what's lifetime value. And remember, we started looking at receipts and looking through QuickBooks and figuring out, well, here's how we get a customer and here's how much they pay. And over the lifetime, we realized that was a really big number. And instead of looking them at a $300, $400 service opening and closing customer, we looked at when we actually did work. That customer is worth 10000 12000 15000 over the course of about 10 years. And so that was, okay, let's get customers in. So our first shot at it was kind of a low and go. We'll get them in as customers and we'll treat them great and then we'll in make some money off of them. And we realized that didn't work real well because we gave them that super incentive to do the work, pay us right away. But then as soon as they got a postcard from somebody else, well, they were off to that one because it was cheaper again. Something we realized is that people value what they pay for, and I think what you're explaining is what happened, and then we settled on the fact that when people value what they pay for, if you charge your right price up front and they understand the value that they're getting, then they don't have that reason to switch or shop because it became a customer service on the front side instead of trying to lure you in with, you know, discounts deal. or mm -hmm. deals and mm -hmm. things like that. Well, remember, I, I think we even had a, a customer said something. We bent over backwards to try to help this customer with a safety cover. And we couldn't get 
anyone to design it. Based how the, on how the pool was built, we could get no one to design it for us. And he got frustrated with us. And then we said, something we can do. And then we used to work on his heater. We did all this other service work. And he made some comment that following year, something about, I don't know what it was about, if you're going to give a deal... I, I, there, there For was a company just... that invests so much in marketing, it's surprising that you would drop the ball on some mm -hmm, things. Mm -hmm. Not that we had done it on purpose, it's just There's nothing we could circumstances do. Yep, had yep. caused that. And we tried to communicate that as best we could, but we did learn a mm -hmm. valuable lesson in there. We Our did. communication got a lot better. Yeah, and, and the net result also was don't, go, don't get them in low and then try to grow them into a good customer. Right. Because what we realized was a customer that is unfortunately is being cheap is a customer that's always going to be cheap. Yeah. And no matter what you do to make it a better experience for them, they still expect cheap. And as soon as you charge more than cheap, they go to the next cheap guy. But that was, that kind of refreshed the how could we look at this differently. We did that experience. Instead of reading it in a book, don't do it. We did it. We made money doing it. But we learned what not to do because there's a lot more to be made and there's a lot better customer to have. I think when we were doing that as well, it was kind of the great experiment, so to speak, in renewing and refreshing the energy of the pool company. And we started tuning in at that point to what felt good to us and what didn't mm -hmm. feel good to us. So filling up the schedule with pool openings and closings felt good, but actually doing the work at those prices didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. um, servicing some of the customers felt good and servicing some of the customers did not feel good. So we really started paying attention to when it feels the best, what is the circumstance that's going on, and then we strove to repeat that and eliminate some of the other mm -hmm. things that we had tried just to see how they would go, but if they didn't feel as good as the other things we were doing, then we were able to discontinue those. Yeah, I, I think I remember in that time for me playing with numbers because numbers logic I'm a I'm an artsy fartsy kind of hooey fooey guy but then I have this real base in physics and math and I remember looking at the numbers and, and just kind of an example would be if we're doing a pool opening or say pool closing for $250 and we did four of them a day that's a thousand dollars revenue really great revenue but if we charge 350 instead for the same, it's $100 more, we only needed three. And not only did we need three, that three actually generates $50 more than we would have gotten by doing four. So we could make more money, spend less time because it's a whole less project, a whole less, uh, it's, it's one less project, it's 25% less work. You know me as, a, you know, I'm an artsy fartsy guy, but I also like numbers. And because my background is art, but it's also math and physics. And I remember at that time using as an example uh, pool closings. Say we're doing closings for $250 a piece. To do four closings, $250 a piece is $1,000. Let's say that was what our daily revenue to do pool, one crew doing four closings was 1000 bucks. When I played with the numbers and I realized that if we charge $100 more, that's 350 Per closing instead of 250 per closing 350 per closing we could do three closings a day and the revenue would actually be $50 more than doing four closings and it's 25% less time to do that mm -hmm. 
and going through that math, and I don't think enough of us do because we think, but it's positive revenue. Sure, it's positive revenue, but why not maximize positive revenue? And in that particular case, there's enough customers when you start paying attention to who they are and what they look like that will pay that $100 or more without even questioning. And I think that was part of the great experiment for us was, I don't remember the numbers, but let's use 250 versus 350. When we had the 250 customer, as soon as we went up to 300 or 3 something, they jumped to the next guy who came in with a deal at, you know, 275 or 265 or 225, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they weren't loyal to a brand, to what we were doing. But once we got that customer that was willing to pay 350, there's a different value there. And that from a marketing standpoint, I never understood that. That a customer sees it. Now I've witnessed it, but I could never really put my hands on it and, and, and get a hold of it until the great experiment that we did. And that's when it went from what's the lifetime value of a customer starting low and building up to what if we attracted customers by selling them something big and then long-tailing it out. You're still going to get the same amount of money, but if you get more money up front, do, do a bigger a renovation or do something bigger for them, they spend a lot more money with you now. It's easy for them to spend well, the dollars over time. I think an assumption... I think an assumption that pool companies make is at any cost get someone onto your opening and closing roster because then you have them as an audience to market to in the future. And I think what we found when we really looked at the books and looked at what we were good at is sure we had the opening and closing revenue and a few of those people would ask us for something a little bit bigger, a pump or a cover or a liner replacement. But when we really looked at it, the majority of our larger service items, the liners and the covers and the pumps heaters and the and filters and heaters, those actually came from just random kind of do-it-yourselfers or a one-time call that actually needed that type of service. So once we knew what all of those pieces looked like, we could continue to do the openings and closings, give them great customer service, and then we also knew that we should approach the specialty items in a slightly different way mm -hmm. and not think that one of those audiences was going to behave the same as the other one. Mm -hmm. So kind of appreciate the nuances of each and make sure that we had things that they could each fit into. Well, and to me, th we were more invested in them because they spent more money with us, but they were more invested in us because they spent more money with us. And the net result was we performed, we gave them a great job, whatever it was, and therefore it's an easy go-to. They spend a lot of money with us now, it's a lot easier to spend incremental money as we go, which is a little higher than anyone else would normally pay, but that felt okay to them, versus get them in at nothing and then try to grow it into something to get the big thing. And that, as much as I think business school, marketing school would say, get them in at all costs. Make it be that you you acquire a customer at the lowest possible cost to acquire a customer. And and that just didn't work for us. Now, maybe we just the way we approached it, but we well, certainly evolved into something that makes a whole lot more sense. We decided, I think, that our level of give a shit about each of the customers and each of the pools needed to be a little bit greater than what we could provide at those kind of experimental rock bottom mm -hmm. prices the way that we had started that and this might be a good time to interject just an observation that I've had throughout the last several years in the pool business 
when we became really good at marketing, a lot better at our communication, the level of discussion that goes on in the office about some of these individuals, pools, and the customers is just incredible. I don't know of any other home improvement um, situation where it happens quite as much. I know if you have somebody coming in to remodel your home, of course you're going to be on their mind. But when people call us and their pump's not working or their heater's not working or they have something that needs to be fixed, there are several of us that are usually in on the conversation trying to figure it out and care and worry about these people and getting their pool up and running and having the best situation possible. It's like we only deal with this one small aspect of people's homes and yet, I mean, we can banter become, about them just nonstop it sometimes. It becomes all-encompassing. It becomes all-encompassing <laughs> and we're like living and eating and breathing this during the summer when our customers have concerns. Well, that that goes to recognizing that there's parts that we can love about it. And if we do that part, then we not only love the part that we're doing, but we love the customer as well. That our level of, as you call it, our level of give a shit goes way up because now we're invested in something that we love, that we're really enjoying. And if it's just about making money and you want to just keep spitting out stuff to make money, that's not where we're going. Mm -hmm. We make plenty of money. We do better this way than that way for sure. Someone might be perfectly happy just, you know, one time with a customer and spit them out and get another one. And that's kind of what happens in the service and in pools, at least in the Midwest. Maybe not so much nationally, but in the Midwest, there's this glut of customers to, to really good service companies. And a really good service company kind of loses its give a shit because... If you don't call, it's okay because someone else will. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you love the thing that you do and you care about that customer so much that that dialogue does happen, mm -hmm. that we can sit around and look at pictures and try to figure out who it is just off of, mm -hmm. just because we're all curious as to who the customer is by looking at a photograph, we can pretty much guess every customer that we've ever dealt with because there's this different sense of giving a care. There is a different sense, and that's something that we couldn't quantify and no. we couldn't explain. If there was something that it would be great for our existing customers to understand, and I think they do to, to some, some level, but I don't know that they do completely, it's the fact that we know the ins and outs of their system. Everybody on our team, the service from the, uh, from the order taker in the office to the service guy that goes out to you and me, who are kind of overseeing all of it, like, we can, just through looking at photos of a pool or of an equipment pad, we can no, tell whose is. pool that is because it has become such a part of who and what we are, just interpreting that, that data and that information that it, it's not like we come into the office and it turns on and we go home at the end of the day and it turns off. It is always on and we're always thinking about the ways that we can take care of our customers just because it's become a part well, of all of us. And clarify that it's it's all-encompassing, all a part of us, but it's not to a detriment of us. No. It's not like, oh, I can't get away from it. No, no it's a very... We choose not to get away from it. Yeah. Because there's nothing, like, bad or catastrophic no. to get mm -hmm. away from. Mm -hmm. It's it's pleasant, and it's organizing it's, it's things, always good. and it's, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about how to do it better, and often just having that knowledge and discussing things cuts down on the actual time that it takes to, you know, troubleshoot and do mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. But it is just, it's a part of who and what everyone on our team becomes mm -hmm. when they join our team. That's true. It, it, as you were talking, I was reflecting on 
what we do now with the customer. And I can imagine from my place, from all the years of my experience before living this, if someone were to tell me via video or via a podcast that, oh, this could be done, my mind would go with, yeah, but you don't understand my situation. You don't understand my customer and you don't understand. And, and I want to address that for a moment because what I'm, what I'm seeing in my head is that guy or gal who runs a business that says, well, I can't afford to do that. For example, when we go and we service a, a pool, we take pictures. And simple systems, not money issue, not ever, just having the, using the basic tools that are available for free, Mark on the service crew can take pictures of everything and it immediately uploads to the, to the internet and then you download them and you categorize them and with five, within five minutes, all of that is now in a category within a file built in the computer of each customer with their pool, with their equipment, with everything. That's just a huge piece because we have this now record of hundreds of thousands of pictures, mm -hmm. probably, of cataloging our customers so we know what their pool looks like, we know what it is, we know date stamped at this time of last year, whatever, there it is. Now, had you told me that I should do that, I'm going back to the me before, I would have said, that's a lot of work. I, you know, we can't afford to. we got to get in there and get out and get on to the next one. Sure you do when you're charging $250 for that service instead of $350 for that service. That extra $100 allows you to spend five more minutes to take those photos and take whatever records you need and send them to the office and the, the office staff can do what they need to with them. Well, you still made $75 more anyway. Set that aside, it, the old you also would have then taken a service call from that customer and gotten in your car and stopped at their house to, to go look at, look that at what I was pump get is to on that. their equipment pad. Yes. And that just saved you all the time in the world right no there. No doubt. That's, that's, uh, that was where I was going to go with it is that we've got that built as bank of information on a computer that every office has. It's not like we had to do anything different and get any different equipment, do anything different. We just had to... Take the time to do it, number one. Mm, that time. And then we also figured out how to charge more for our service, which gave us more time to do it because we didn't have to rush to the next one or rush to the next one. And then Mark didn't have to sit there. It just automatically uploaded and using all free services. I don't think there's any of that stuff paid for. Maybe it is. Or if so, it's a few dollars a, a month or year. Mm -hmm. But then on top of it, the magic was we got a new service call. And what did you do? Send us pictures. Right. So a customer that we hadn't dealt with yet was wanting to figure something out and you would say, hey, send a few pictures into this number or, you know, the, or email them in. Email them. And instead of them. chasing around out there to look at all the stuff that we would bid on, you could do it right over the phone. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a locked in guaranteed price, but it was giving them an estimated price before we even spent a dime leaving the office. Mm -hmm. And then you could go there fairly confident you know what you were talking about or I could go there or Mark could go there or whoever mm -hmm. and talk about a savings of just hundreds of hours of driving around and wasting gas and wasting time and which then leads to now we have a greater set of pictures which from my standpoint thinking about me being a concrete guy I really was I, I came kicking and screaming to this new technological world of the internet and iPhones and stuff I really did I would I was happy there 
but I would have said, oh, but that's a massive amount of data. How do we handle all that? That must be, you know, in my head, I would have said that must cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a network to store all of it. You know I would have gone there. And yet, you very simply with some good computers, not, not the most expensive anything, and with a few abilities to back stuff up, have all of that. So now, we get that call, like you were starting to allude to a few minutes ago, and, and in the day before today, I would have taken the time to stop by on my way home from work, or sent somebody by there to see exactly what pump they had, what, whatever the issue was, and now we can just click on a file and there it is. Mm -hmm. And we haven't spent tens of thousands of dollars doing that. No. We spent a little bit of time that we were getting paid for because we were getting more for our cost for our service and it allowed us to go a little slower to stop and take a few extra pictures and now we have this bank of invaluable information that then we can go back through and when Mrs. Jones calls up you simply go to her file and it's all there. Mm -hmm. And there's pictures from this year and there's pictures from last year. And when she says, there's this crack that wasn't there before, you can go, huh, here's a picture from last year and there's a crack there. Because it just took that little bit of extra. And that little bit of extra is overwhelming to people. And that's why I was getting alluding to, but I couldn't do this, it's too much for me. Inch by inch, everything's a cinch. And we've heard that a million times. You go, yeah, well, that's not really me. Kind of like us doing video. Mm -hmm. Well, I could never do 800 videos. No, but you could do one. Yeah. And then in a week, do another one. In a week, do another one. And next thing you know, you're doing 25 a week sometimes. Yeah. But I couldn't, in my wildest imagination, could never have imagined that we'd have 800 videos out there and so many people watching our stuff about pools. Mm -hmm. Because I kept, you know, my mind, it's like, it's just this little industry. It really is compared to the building trades. I could never imagine the thousands of views that we would get on our videos. Because who really cares about that stuff? Not everybody, but there's enough people. There's definitely enough. There's enough. There's enough. Well, we are talking marketing, and well, we're talking We are, but, but what when, when you at. say marketing and what you're good at, it's almost like techniques and what do we do and how do we do it is all I was thinking. But go back to your thought there. I'm sorry. It was just interesting that in the moment I realized we were talking marketing, although you and I both know... Well, this you're, is you're marketing. talking a whole lot of something. So uh, I know, but it's not. It's it's kind of how we arrived at what we are, versus how do we market to get there? And maybe we touch on that. But finish mm -hmm. up with your thoughts. I'm sorry if I interrupted. No, that's all right. You're just on a roll. Have at it. This no. is Al. He's on a roll. Sometimes yeah. I have stuff to say. Well, as you were kind of wrapping up that last um, segment, talking that long dissertation, the long dissertation, yes. talking about all these things and the pieces that we've put together. That's really one of the things that may be coming up next for us. I know we keep talking about the idea of franchising and the idea of training, and it gets a lot, um, you know, it comes to the forefront a little bit more, and I think we're really getting there to kind of putting down some of our best practices and creating kind of a formula for people to follow. And mm -hmm. how will that exactly um, turn out, and how quickly will we have it done? We're fans of when something flows and it makes sense to go ahead and do it and when something isn't quite there yet you know some of the pieces might still have to come into place so it is quite possible that we'll have a pretty good roadmap of all these pieces pretty quickly here although, no, go ahead, finish. <laughs> although I, I don't know I, I was, the way I you're just, raising your eyebrows no, the way, the, what you said was was a, a phrase that we coined many years ago that really comes into play here 
it was it was what I don't know how we came up with it, but it was our original somewhere that love effortless allowance. Mm -hmm. You know, we just allow things to happen. If it doesn't feel right to do, look at how many times either you or I, I'll be beating my head against the wall. I got to do this, and you'll say, "No, you don't." If it's not feeling right, don't do it. If it's a design for a customer that doesn't feel right for some reason, back burner it instead of it. forcing you to do it. Yeah. Or I'll say that to you when you're about, I gotta Sometimes get this document I together, I got to this, together. and you can't figure it out, don't do it. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. I think that's an advantage that you and I have as this, this symbiotic partnership thing, this mastermind, that we have the ability to allow each other to not do something that doesn't feel right. If you're sitting all alone and all you have is that pressure, there's not that voice on your shoulder. Because when I'm in that mode, whether you're here or not, you're kind of right here on my shoulder anyway going, idiot, are you ready? You're, you're thumping me on the side of the head, kind of like today. She came out to a job, walked in and said, idiot, although she did it physically, that um, here's another request for this thing that we've talked about that we should do for a long time. How many more of these are you going to need to have? before you act on it and do something about it. And, and you're absolutely right. But see, if you weren't there physically tapping me on the shoulder, calling me, yeah, doofus, get going, you would still be here on my shoulder going, duh. Well, well let's fill in the blanks on that. Today okay. I got an email from somebody who's looking at what we're doing in terms of building hybrid pools that are incorporating some elements. and. What we know in the pool industry is there's some people that build kind of basic things and then there's people that build advanced things and the people that hybrid pools are almost perfect for are those people who are striving for something a little bit more than vinyl and striving for a little bit more than gunite. And this email that we got today was perfect because it was somebody saying that I'm really interested, my customers are asking me to kind of do the next level and I just don't know that I'm ready to grow into it yet without help. So he was looking for help and guidance. Yeah, will you do training? Can do you, you help? Do you, do you train? help? Can you do that? And that's something that we've been thinking about doing mm -hmm. along the same lines as the service franchise. I think mm -hmm. it's becoming a lot more clear to me mm -hmm. that there's definitely an avenue for that as well to help change the industry. Mm -hmm. So when it effortlessly can happen, mm -hmm. then it absolutely will, and I think that's coming up pretty quick, too. Well, I think we recognized all along with both of those, both the service franchise and this whole hybrid pool training, whatever that's called, licensing or just helping people do it, we've seen that coming because we've had enough requests over the last several years. We've been doing it for a while now, and yet it hasn't felt right to just say, okay, it's time. Mm -hmm. But at some point, much like that email today, when someone's going, you gotta help me get to this next level, can you? You, you know, know the, at some point you go, You know okay. the irony in there? We've been offering to do programs like that for the national pool shows for a little while. And the people, they, the people who are choosing the, the, the classes, the, the in charge people don't get aren't it. quite no. thinking no. the same way because yeah. I don't know, they're looking at putting on a conference. So so never fear. Person who it, emailed it us come. today, we're working it on will it. Come. I think, and you know, I'm gonna kind of kind of make a stand and, and, and mark my line in the sand that the show people typically are not, they don't have their ear to the ground. They're appealing to the mass because the mass number of 11,000 people coming to that conference, they're sort of appealing to that mass. 
and they don't have their ear to the ground of what really matters. Let's, let's provide, and here's the crappy part of education, let's provide the common core education, much like, oh, unfortunately, a lot of our educational system is now, common core basic stuff that doesn't matter. Let's do that in a conference because, because, yeah, because that attracts the most people. And yet the people that really want to take training are the people that really want to make a difference. Yeah. It, it's not the guy that comes just to check out the conference that gives a crap about learning something new or something engaging or something better. Mm -hmm. It's either someone who's desperate because their back is up against a wall and they have to figure something out. That's not a customer any of us want to deal with too often. But the people that really want the training are the people that want to advance themselves. So why not give them something that can really help grow the industry? And yet I really think that the, the associations and the majority of the people putting on these types of conferences in our industry and other industries are really doing mass appeal because it's more important to have the numbers of people in the seats versus people that will actually do something with what they learn. Well, that is exactly why we have 800 plus videos on YouTube, and that's exactly why we have a podcast going right here. Because we learned a while ago when we wanted to make more of a difference and we wanted to interact with people a little bit more, that there wasn't that receptive audience for it. And what we were able to do is say, that's fine. We have all the tools and all the technology that we could possibly need. We're going to do it ourselves because we find it that important. You know, we're not, we're not paid to put on all those videos. We're not paid to put these podcasts together. Really, I mean, it's 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock at night on a Monday. Like, yeah. I could be home watching TV, so yeah. could you. It's, but we care that It's the much level that of give a shit that. for our industry. Yeah. You, you, you use that toy and it, to, term and it means everything. It's the level of give a shit. Yeah. Like you said, we could have each gone home many hours ago because we were quote-unquote done work. I could be scrapbooking right now. Absolutely. We could all be doing something else. Hobbies. But here we are talking about something that we care so much about that if you look at the mainstream system of, of how it's being done, our voice wouldn't be heard. But that's okay. Because enough of because our voice will be heard. Because the people are finding us. The people are finding us. And, and we, have, really we have all too. the social proof that we need. Yeah. Roll this back four years ago and five years ago and we were putting out a video too and it's like crickets and there's no one, no one even watching it. And you're like, oh... And today, and then watch YouTube famous Al walk around. And then a you walk show. around a show, and people go, "Oh, I watched all your stuff." It's a whole new world. Absolutely. But we would never have done that through the mainstream, because we would our stuff wouldn't have been popular because it was too edgy. Well, well it's not the, edgy; it's just real. And the people in charge of the channels. If we look at the people who are putting on the shows as someone who's in charge of the channels, or you know, even television um, shows and things like that. Mm -hmm. They can only see what they can see, and mm -hmm. we see from an entirely different perspective. And that's something, I think, tying it back into the topic today, marketing your specialty. Don't wait for other people to give you permission to start talking about point. the thing that you love or the approach that you have or why you're different or why you're special. I know we've spent a bunch of time talking about our service company and some of the ins and outs of that, but let's get on to the construction side of that, too. Like, don't wait for someone to give you the microphone. Start talking, start sharing, start blogging, start educating. Just start doing something to share that information with the world. And that, that's an amazing thing is that everyone has really great talents. They're not the talents I have. I happen to have this specific set of talents. So instead, I could 
want to be like him and market his kind of talents and hope I can figure it out. Or I could market my talents. And that's this part of doing the thing that you love. Do a little bit. It takes a little introspective work. We've had to dig pretty deep and go, what do we really give a crap about? What do we really care about? What do we really want to do? And then we didn't wait for any social permission from anyone to start doing the thing that we love, which in this particular case is hybrid pools. We had no proof that it would work other than we had this need that, and, and it was born out of a customer saying, I want a vinyl liner pool, but I want a floating table and a bench that goes around it and, and wherever they saw it, I have no idea. And that was uh, how could we make that happen in a vinyl liner pool? And we could have done some goofy insert thing and had it fiberglassed and had a uh, form made and had a whatever to mass produce it like so the industry was producing. So you could have engineered your way all the way around it or you could have gone Renov for a innovate simple the whole thing. Mm -hmm. innovation that would make the difference. And it was right there in front of everybody. Duh. It still is right it in is. front of it's, everybody. We don't, I, I had a customer that we're working on doing a project with now. She asked me, she said, well, what happens in 15 years when you've retired? And you're no longer doing this, and I need a liner replaced. And I said, well, that's easy. We haven't done anything that's not already available. We've used current technology in a new way that if anyone has really any understanding, and, and my, my explanation to her, number one, is we have a succession plan after me. And she's like, that's all I needed to hear. But I said, even if not us, if someone is at all progressive, I said, when you go to hire somebody to replace this liner and say we're all gone for whatever reason, you're not going to hire just the common guy out of the book. It's going to take a little bit. It's going to be somebody who understands the industry a little bit. That's the only difference. She's like, that's it? I said, yeah. It could Is it the guy? It, 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 it could be literally anybody if they took just a few minutes to understand what we did. The other thing she could do is take one of our team pictures, she could identify each person's name on there because every person in our team photo, I mean we laugh about it, half of them are 18 year olds and they're girls, but they, it's no time. big deal to them, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. doing these things that even, you know, grown men who have done this a long time are intimidated about, all of those things that are so revolutionary are really kind of normal to the people on our team. It is. So any one of those things that are just crazy to even, you know, an, an older gentleman who's been doing this for a long time, they're just normal. Well, you know, it, it does remind me of a story from this past summer. And, you know, when you do a vinyl liner hybrid with gunite, there's these places where you have to work to blend it together. And I remember telling you this story, and you, you were really fascinated that... Here's an 17-year-old girl doing this prep work. She doesn't know that that's not how it's always done. So she has no preconceived notion that it won't work. She's not, oh, let's be scared. Instead, she's just doing the thing to prep the work because she doesn't know not to. And it absolutely works every time. But you could take someone who's got 30 years of experience, who's never done it that way, and they're not going to be able to perform that job out of some fear of what they think might go wrong. Watch out world when all these people decide that, that let's just give possible. it a try. Because that will revolutionize the industry like no doubt. a tipping point. I had a conversation this past summer and I cannot remember who it was with. And we were talking about that, that specific topic. That this old regime, this 
old school, and, and we even wrote an article about how the new innovators and the new designers will come from the, from the vinyl industry. Do you know why I said that? Because everyone expects them to come from the gunite industry. Because that's where it's always been. Because that's where the real credible, the best designers, the, the most credentialed designers came from. And you're right, they've been phenomenal. Uh, that, that's where I learned. That's where I learned my trade is watching those guys. I just applied it to a new industry. And they may have poo-pooed it. Had I, had I showed them what I was trying to do with their stuff, they would have, whatever. I'm sure. Because that's the way they were. But I was just having that discussion this summer with this new generation doesn't know not to. That new generation of pool guy, or girl in our case, but pool guy, is not that guy that comes out of the, out of the, uh, the excavating business. A lot of our pool companies, and this may be national, it may be not, but a lot of the pool companies, because our industry is really only 40 or 50 years old, it's not... 100 years old like or 200 like home building it's it's 40 or 50 years old sure we had some stuff in the 30s and 40s but that was built by not pool companies but it was really 60s and on that that pools became a normal thing and really not till 70s was was the big boom and so there's so much of this old school guys that are finally retiring and succession plan giving it over to people who kind of were built in that system so aren't changing but this new generation of guy who's 25 years old, who knows all of the technology, doesn't give a crap. technology, is getting his information from YouTube. And he's got instant access to all of it. He doesn't give a crap of what you did for 30 years. Yeah. He can look at something and go, I could do it this way and it's going to work just and do it better. Yeah. Or at minimum, just as well, without all the 30 or 40 years of baggage to do it. When you recognize that, you go, what could this industry be? Not just another little progression of what's always been. It, it's like this blank slate because technology, video, things like that allow us to just see stuff that we couldn't imagine. And that 25-year-old, 18-year-old, 30-year-old has no problem picking up their phone and going, I don't know how to do this, but boom, YouTube. Oh, that's how you build a chimney. Oh, that's how you do this. Oh, I got a pump problem. Here it is. Oh, that's Instant. how I build a hybrid pool. That 45 okay. or that 40 or 5 or 50 year old guy is going, I, I got to call the manufacturer to see what this part is and see how it works. And the 20 year old has the answer right here because he's just watched four YouTube videos. He's on the website of that specific part and he's reordering it on the spot. Mm -hmm. And the 45 year old's waiting or 50 year old, I'm in that category. Although, I'm a little more hip with it, thanks to you, not because of me. And I would be that guy going, well, when I get back to the office tonight, now i got to try to look up, how to, i got to call a supplier to see if they could order it. And your mentality would have been, on the job, order it, bam, it's being shipped. Who gives up if it costs $5 to ship it or $10 to ship it? I'll have it in three days versus waiting two weeks because the supplier is going to get it in the old style way. Yeah, That's a big piece that I think a lot of the system, the way it's always been, is still handling the business. You know, I just had an aha. That's like how we could define our company a little more. You're like the old school dude, and I'm like the new hip technology-based person, and together and it's we a just... hybrid company it where, is... you know, magic happens. So let's get back to talking a little bit more about marketing, and what does marketing mean? Marketing means talking about it, telling the story creating the 
top of mind awareness, it just means talking about it. Marketing is talking. You can talk online, you can talk via email, you can talk in postcards. It just, marketing means talking about it. So in marketing our specialties, we learn how to market the specialties in the service business through the communication with our customers, through our website, through how we process them and how we take care of things. And then the reason that people are contacting us wanting to know how to build the way that we build is because we're telling the story. We haven't been actively marketing to pool professionals saying, pay attention to this because no. we want to teach you something. What we've been doing is we've been showing our potential clients what's possible and we've been showing the industry what's possible and that in turn is creating this market interest. You said it all with what marketing is. The only thing that I could add is, is marketing is just creating social consciousness. Because our businesses, this is a weird one to wrap your head around, but it took me a while to understand it. A business is not the paperwork. The business is not the computer or the truck. A business, it the business cards. It, it's not the business cards or the letterhead. It's not, it's not the people. Those are tools of the business. The business is not the federal number or the tax ID number or the business license. Those are instruments that allow us to do business. Mm -hmm. The business, is, as goofy as it sounds, and it took me a long time to understand it, but now it makes so much sense, is the social agreement that we exist as a pool company. There's no place. You can go to look in our office. It's really cool. We got a lot of cool stuff. That's not a pool company. The truck that we drive to show up at a job to do a thing, that's not a pool company. That's a tool. The paperwork that we sign, the bank account that has the money in it, that's not a pool company. That's just a representation of what our pool company does. The, the people that work here, they're not the pool company. They're the mechanisms by which we perform our service. But what the business is, is just a social contract that we all agree this whole group of, it could be two, like it was for us. There's, there's two of us that agree that that's what we are. To the thousands of people that have become aware of what we do. To now the hundreds of thousands of people who have watched our stuff online and visit our website and see that. And they all agree of what we do. That's what a business is. Our business isn't me and you and the, the dozens of people that work with us. It's the hundreds of thousands of people that have watched. This is, this is good stuff, actually. This is really interesting when you think about it. It's the hundreds of thousands of people that have watched our stuff and said, that's what they do. That's what a business is. And when you wrap your head around that, it took me a long time to understand that. Marketing is just helping them remember. It's helping them go, oh, yeah, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's what they do. And then the new guy catches on to what we do because we're marketing and the new guy goes oh yeah that's what they do and eventually there's the guy that says and I want it so not everybody that sees our marketing and sees our stuff wants it mm -hmm. or needs it they might want it but they don't need it mm -hmm. but eventually someone has this burning desire to have what we have and that's when we get an email we get a call we get a whatever to communicate with them they go to our website they fall in love with our stuff and they communicate with us but our marketing is just that reminder that we we have a social consciousness that, that, that people are aware of us. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and prior to Internet, 
it was the only way we could do that is they found us via Yellow Pages or whatever and they called and then, you know, maybe we would send out a postcard or we whatever. That's the only way people remembered us. Or they remembered the people that did work that made them feel good. So if a service guy went out or gal went out and made them feel good, that's what they remembered. That's what our business was. But we have this internet thing now that allows you to showcase yourself if you spend just a little bit of time and a little bit of money. You can spend tons of money and tons of time, but we don't even do that. No. And now instead of it being the thousand customers that we have in our customer database of, of active customers or whatever the number is, but it's a pretty good number. That's not what our business is identified by. It's identified by the hundreds of thousands of people that have watched our stuff that recognize what we are because you're seeing it as I'm seeing it. When we go to industry shows, there's how many people recognize us and recognize what we do and ask us and say, I saw you coming from way down the way and I recognize the brand and I all of that. And so our business, the marketing of our business is just making them, helping them to remember us. So I want to simplify this a little bit for people who are, I'm hoping, becoming inspired by listening to us thinking, okay, I want to do that. When we're talking about marketing this pool company that we have and creating this social consciousness, it's not that we set out to tell the story of all pools all the time. Back to defining what your specialty is and talking about yes. that, that's really where it happens. And that's where we could pinpoint, and you probably through watching some of our stuff, you get the sense that we're involved in the pool industry. But we don't say we're involved in the pool industry every time you turn around. We also build creative and custom pools, but every sentence that we put out doesn't say we build creative custom mm -hmm. pools. Mm -hmm. What we do is we talk about all of the special elements that make us special. So we talk about pirate-themed grottos, and we talk about custom monopoly boards, and we talk about puzzles that we make, and we talk about all of the little special nuances to what we do. And by looking at all of that as a whole picture, people know that we're in the pool industry. The other thing that we do when we travel to shows is we interview people at the shows about products and things that are on the market. So we don't talk about every product everywhere. We don't even talk about half the products that are at the shows. But we talk about the special products, the quirky products, the fun products with fun people that are marketing those products. So maybe the product's not even fun, but maybe the people that are there are super fun. Like, we have fun with that. So if you looked at all of these little elements that we have, we've got quirky stuff, we have innovative stuff, we have interesting stuff, we have, we have interesting people, and we have excitement. Those are the special pieces of what goes into you being able to recognize us as a pool company. And for each person who's thinking about doing it, their mix is going to be a little bit different because they will have things that get them excited and situations that, you know, we travel to the shows and we do this, but at a smaller level, somebody could just start in their office getting creative with the things that they have around them to create that social awareness of their special, special little um, nuance in the pool industry. And everybody has such a special thing that they're good at. We don't have to overlap each other. But as you were talking, I was thinking that there's room in this sphere, this space, this online world for a thousand of me. Absolutely. Doing 
different things or even the same. There's room for a thousand others and it doesn't take that much. It takes some effort for sure. It takes some time, but it's not like you're investing tons of money. It's not like you, you got to unload all this stuff in this. It's just the decision to do it and decide to be specialized. I happen to be, from an online perspective, I have to be. I happen to be a lot more philosophical, and I love to get in the philosophy and the psychology of why people do what they do and talk about enriching the world. Enriching the world. There's room for a thousand people just in the service end of talking about the how-tos. Look at how many views we get in our how-to stuff. And you do talk an occasional how-to. I, I, I do talk an occasional how-to. That's not my particular. Oh, I just want to do that. But there but are I do. some people out there. There are you. some people that are amazing at that, and, and there's tons of space for that. That's marketing. Yeah. Because we didn't set out to go, well, let's change the industry by talking about it online. We knew that was the net result. We talked about it because it mattered to us. And once it mattered to us, amazingly, it kind of mattered to a lot more people than we imagined it would. Mm -hmm. And before long, we become the authority on these things. And all we really want to do is talk about the stuff that we love to do. So that's the secret right there to marketing. Really we decided we wanted to talk about the stuff that we wanted to talk about. And whether or not anybody was listening, didn't, it didn't really matter. we were just going to keep doing it. What happens, kind of a closing thought in terms of, of, from my perspective, is as I speak, the words travel out of my mouth and back into my ear. And when they go back into my ear, I rehear what I say, what I just said, and my brain interprets it a new way. And there's so many times that by talking, that's why we've done so much training and trained people and why we have marketing groups. Here's a secret about us having marketing groups and helping others market themselves, is it just helps us market us. Is that we, when we share it, we hear it. And then we hear it in a new way. If you just think about something and think and think and think and think, you might get to the answer. But as soon as you share it to someone and the words come out and they go back in, they go back in in a different way and then you reevaluate what you're talking about. And so for me, it's that sharing part and that's the magic in, I think, in us doing what we've done online, is it's all about us. It's not all about how can we monetize it, how can we do whatever, but we know that every time that camera goes on and we start talking about a topic, that it's just helping us understand our next level. Because if we're pretty good at talking about that, it means that we probably have pretty well got that situated, but we still have a mountain to climb and the next thing to accomplish. By speaking it out loud, that helps us see that next level. Absolutely. So, if you can tell, we get a little fired up talking about just, marketing. Just a little bit. I have the feeling that we'll be talking about some more marketing. Moving on. Moving an awful on lot. In, yep. uh, in some of our future episodes. So, thanks for joining us today, and stay tuned for next time.